Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. Today we're going to be talking about frame control, about ensuring that you have helpful perspectives on the world to give you a high quality of life and constant growth and better confidence. We're going to talk about the psychology behind the frame or the perspective you have and how to manage that. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. let's start by having a look at what frames are. So a frame is all about your perspective. It's about the data you choose to focus on and most importantly how you choose to interpret that data. So by data I mean everything you take in from your senses, your eyes, your ears, your nose, touch, whatever else there is left, taste. And also of course what happens inside you, the sense inside you, your emotions, your thoughts, everything occurring in there. And then choosing what you focus on in terms of all those elements coming in. And then choosing how to interpret those things. What are the stories or the narratives you give to these essentially neutral stimuli? So in basic terms, what we're saying is something happens to you. Something you see or hear or feel. And then you tell yourself a little story about that thing that happened. And in that little story, you decide what it is. You can see frames all through. Frames are evident in all subjective elements of interpretation. So value judgments, whether or not something's good or bad, right or wrong, those are frames. So something that happens, let's say a murder happens. Somebody kills another person. Now if you think that's a bad thing to do, you've taken the neutral event, which is a person killing another person, and you've turned it into a bad thing, a murder, a crime. The killing of one person by another is actually neutral. It, it doesn't have any perspective. It's just a thing that happened. Calling it a murder and a bad person and this needs to be punished, that's the frame. Okay? Somebody being a good person or something being a good flavor, that's all value judgments. That's a type of frame. Another type is importance and relevance hierarchy. So what you choose to focus on and why you choose to focus on it. How relevant you think something is to you. So you're looking at uh, the news for the day. And you decide that the headline about Trump is something you don't care about. It's not worth reading. But the headline about the next season of MasterChef is definitely worth your time. And you're going to make some time after you have your coffee to read that. That's an importance ranking, a relevance hierarchy. You're deciding what matters and what doesn't to you. And you're ranking these things in a list. That's a frame. So they're both just news stories, but you've decided which one is more important than the other. A huge part of frames is filling in the blanks. Something happens, but there's a lot of parts of that something that you don't know or don't understand, and you kind of fill it in. For example, if you look across the street and you see one guy punching another guy in the face... You don't know why they're doing that, but you'll come up with a story as to why they're doing it. So, for example, you look across the street and it's a white guy punching a black guy in the face. You might say, ah, that's a hate crime. That's racism. Now, you don't actually know what transpired, why they're punching each other in the face. Maybe they even want to. Maybe it's a joke. But you've decided that this is done with hate and spite and prejudice because you see the color difference in their skin. That's the frame you give it. When really all that happened was somebody punching another guy. That's all you know. But you'll fill in the blanks. You'll often do this to describe why somebody does something. 
they did that because you'll say and you'll say it so quickly that it's just you're sure of it it's like you've actually seen evidence and investigated this when you haven't you're just filling in those blanks yourself describing why something happened is probably the most common way in which we fill in the blanks we might also fill in the blanks with a past and a future we might tell ourselves what we think happened before the thing we saw and what's probably going to happen afterwards that's also a frame a kind of cause and effect chain of events that we think is going to happen so i might see a child having a tantrum in the supermarket and i think well this parent has been very mean to the child before i arrived and then afterwards the parent will hit the child because he's a mean parent all i've actually witnessed is the child having a tantrum the the rest of the story i add myself to kind of give a narrative to this to help me understand what i'm seeing and create a storyline with it Frames are most evident in your emotional reaction. How you feel about something is really the frame of it. Whether you feel good or bad in the most basic sense. But whether something makes you anxious or excited is a frame. Now physiologically, anxiety and excitement are almost identical. They're pretty much the same feeling. But whether you call it anxiety or excitement depends on the situation and your frame around it. If I love public speaking, then I'll call that feeling before I get on stage excitement. If I dread public speaking, I'll call that same feeling anxiety. And the feelings themselves are a frame. A friend of mine punches me in the shoulder. That can either be a sense of love about that, like, ah, oh, he's, you know, I'm his boy. Or I might get this frustration, like, how dare he hit me? He made me look like a little child in front of everybody. My emotions will come with a story. Why do I feel this way? And I'll fill in the blanks. That's frame. The emotion, just the physiological feelings happening inside you, are actually neutral. They're just sensations of heat, of vibration, of dryness or tenseness or flexibility. It's our frame that calls those things anger or sadness or depression or excitement. Those labels that we give to collections of emotions are frames. The emotions themselves are just fluids and chemicals running through the body, creating muscle and organ reactions. That's what's happening neutrally. The rest is a frame. Preferences are a frame. You'll notice when you go into, let's say you go to buy some ice cream, and you, you ask for a flavor, and your friend's like, oh, why'd you get that flavor? You'll have this big story about why this flavor is better than the other. Well, chocolate's creamier, and it's sweeter, and, you know, I find that bubblegum flavor just too sickening. All that is an explanation of your preference, and even the preference itself is a frame. Chocolate is better than bubblegum. That's a frame. That's a value judgment. Attributions. Again, like I said before about why somebody does something, we also do a kind of cause and effect attribution. This happened because of this thing. So if we're driving past a car accident and we see one car is really damaged, another car is a little bit damaged, we'll say, well, the little one caused the accident and the one with the big damage was the victim. Now, we don't actually know that, but we just, a quick glance at the situation, and we decide whoever's more harmed must be the victim, and therefore the other person caused it. We don't even know who caused the accident. Maybe they didn't even crash into each other. So, attributions, again, it's a type of filling in the blanks of we decide what caused the event. Another frame is the perceived limits or abundance and options. If you look out into the dating world, for example, and you think, man, there's not much out there, that's a perception of scarcity. 
which doesn't line up with the fact that there's at least three and a half billion of each gender out there. But abundance can also be a frame. A particularly wealthy person might go, wow, I've got millions and millions of dollars, I'm so rich. Their frame as they look at their bank account on the computer screen is that they are a rich, wealthy person. But money is just an agreement. Somebody could hack their computer, steal all their money overnight. Are they still rich after that? Or do they then go to being poor? When physiologically, they're still the same person either way. They haven't changed, but calling themselves rich or poor is the frame. So there's plenty more examples of frames, but what I want you to just notice is, as I gave you some of those examples before, you would have started to hear how some of them were more helpful than others. Some of them cause misery and suffering, and others give you a sense of hope and wonder. And what I really want to talk about today is our ability to control these frames. It's a lot stronger than you might believe. If you've ever done Vipassana retreats or any form of guided mindfulness meditation, you'll soon learn that there's this little gap between stimulus and response. So something happens to you or occurs to you, something from inside or from outside arrives in your conscious awareness. And then before you react to it with behavior, there's a gap. And that gap is where the frame happens. That gap is where you describe what happened to yourself. The story you tell yourself about the stimulus. That helps you decide on how to react to it. It might even be mere split seconds, a very, very quick reaction. Sometimes it looks like, say, somebody who gets enraged and punches a hole in the wall. It seems like there's no gap between the rage and punching the wall. But in reality, if you were able to slow that down frame by frame, so to speak, you'd see there was this moment where they realized they were enraged, then they decided what that rage meant, and then they punched the hole. But that little moment determines whether or not they punch the wall, or they drop and do 10 push-ups, or they calmly express their boundaries. Whatever behavior comes after the stimulus depends on the frame. The trouble is for most people, their frames are on autopilot. They happen so quickly and so unconsciously that the person doesn't even notice them happen. They just think this is reality. And I want to challenge that today. I want to give you a chance to gain some control over that little gap between stimulus and response and being able to redirect it and being able to refocus it, change it so that the behavior following the stimulus, the reaction you have to life is in your best interest because your frame really will determine whether or not that happens. I'll give you an example of some common frames. Racism, or basically anything to do with race. Anything where somebody's physical appearance comes with different qualities. There's very, very little in science to give us any kind of evidence that somebody's race has any significant effect on their personality, their behavior, their strengths and weaknesses. But if you look at someone being of a certain race and you give them positive or negative attributes, liberal politics or conservative politics, there's a whole frame you look out on the world. If you're a liberal, you look with a certain frame. If you're conservative, you look with a certain frame. Everything is seen differently by conservatives and liberals. A conservative might see a homeless person as a drain on society, and a liberal might see a homeless person as in need of rescuing. And the homeless dude might just be sitting there like, I'm all good, I got my shit sorted, I like this style of life. 
the reality of the homeless guy is altered by the politics. That's an example of a frame. Weather. Whether you think it's good weather or bad weather. It's actually just weather. You notice how people will run when it's raining and hold something above their head and squeal like, ah, they're getting the rain on me. And yet just moments later, they'll be in the shower deliberately allowing water to fall on their naked skin. As if there's a major difference between rain and having a shower. But that's a frame to think rain is bad and a shower is good just because of the temperature difference. It's actually both of it's just water falling on you. And you'll notice that you can actually manage this. You can try it like next time it goes out raining, walk out in the rain as if it's just a shower. And you'll notice it is just a shower. It doesn't harm you in any major way. Fame. Fame and frame. It's the same difference. Notice how quickly someone can go from famous to infamous. How they can be revered and then reviled. Fame is really a frame. The idea that someone is popular or special is just the way we look at them. If you get them under a microscope on a doctor's table, they're made of the same skin, meat and bones as anybody else. They're just a human. And if you look at, say, the talent of acting versus the talent of plumbing, they're really both quite equal in terms of capability. A very good plumber has had to learn the same amount as a very good actor, and he is the actor we make famous. So it's not really about their skill, we just say that that skill's more valuable to us, that entertainment's more valuable to us than tradesmanship. Scarcity is a common frame, the idea that there's not enough. In almost any measure of life, there is. But quite often people think there isn't enough. There's no one out there for me, I'm too poor, there's no jobs. This kind of look on life where you look for where there isn't stuff and you believe that that is representing what's going on in life. Or a personal attack, somebody is mean to you with their behaviour. Now the behaviour might be objectively harmful, like they throw a rock at your face. You know, there's almost no one in the world that will say that that's a helpful act. But the idea that this was personal, that it's really all about you and them, that would be a frame. When the reality is their psychology is so damaged that they throw rocks at people, you just happen to be the person they're throwing it at this time. A much more accurate, or likely to be accurate, view of who they are. But if you say they are attacking me personally, you'll react with rage and defensiveness and frustration and hate even. So you can see these are just common frames that will affect people all day every day and make their decisions for them. I want you to listen to some of these differences in frames. Someone throws an apple at you. Now that could be assault with a weapon or it could be a free lunch. Both can be true. You're now up one apple. So you either just got some free food or someone tried to hurt you. You'll notice if you think they tried to hurt you, you don't even realize the quality of the apple that you could eat this thing. But if you think this is a free lunch, you might overlook the fact that someone just threw this fucking thing at you. You may have a threat in your immediate future. Someone cuts you off in traffic. This can either be a selfish asshole, or it could be someone who's running late and panicking. Or it could be, like in Thailand, people cut you off all the time because it's just a dog-eat-dog style of driving over there. Nobody would consider that bad driving there. They would, nobody would get upset about it. Well, none of the locals would anyway, because that's just how you drive in Thailand. So, somebody cutting you off is a neutral event. It all depends on how you frame it. Now, if you frame it as a selfish asshole, you might ruin the rest of your day. Like, embittered and resentful about the guy who cut you off. 
Or if you're like, oh, this poor dude must be running late, I better let him in because he's obviously chosen the wrong lane, you might spend the rest of the day feeling like a hero who helped somebody. What about something big, like you get diagnosed with a chronic illness, cancer, something like that? Quite a common frame that people have is, poor me, my life is over, this is so unfair. Other people go, well this is a great challenge to test my strength. It's just luck of the draw. Everybody's got something to deal with. This is my thing. Imagine the difference in lifestyles from those two different frames. The victim versus the hero. Who's going to have a better life with cancer? Because I guarantee you they're not going to have the same amount of pain. Even though all other factors could be equal. So two people could have the exact same cancer at the same time. Basically, controlled experiment, they are the same. But one's got the frame of, poor me, I'm a victim. And the other's like, well, I better make the most of this. This is my challenge. Who do you think's going to suffer more? You see, the event, what you observe, even if it's inside you, outside you, doesn't matter. It's always neutral. Even physical harm is neutral. Like, think about the Shaolin monks, where you can kick them in the balls and they don't feel any pain. Maybe they do feel pain, but they like it. They see pain as something to build them, something to build them spiritually. Or people who are into BDSM. People who like to get tied up and whipped. I mean, if you do that consentingly, it's enjoyable. But if someone was to kidnap you, tie you up and whip you, you'd be traumatized. Physical pain is not necessarily going to cause suffering, depending on how you view it. It's what we tell ourselves about what happened that creates our reality. It decides whether something's good or bad. Fun or devastating challenging or destructive these things that happen to us are just things what i want to look at today is the difference between a helpful frame and an unhelpful frame because you get to choose between the two these frames can either help you with your goals and your quality of life and your confidence or they can do the opposite they can destroy you and you get to decide which you're going to listen to because you can always reframe bad frames If you've got a frame that's unhelpful, you can change it to a helpful one. We're going to talk about how to do that. I want to give you some examples of confident frames or reframes. Let's say you start with the frame, what's happening to me is painful. Well, a confident person will say, what's happening to me is training. I'm building my endurance. I'm building my strength. Pain is just weakness leaving the body. You'll notice the people who, like bodybuilders and people who can endure a lot of pain, marathon runners, they have a different view of pain than people who go to the gym once and then never go again because it hurt too much. They don't have more physical qualities. It's psychological. If you ever listen to Arnold Schwarzenegger talk about bodybuilding, the way he talks about the burn of muscle pain, you understand he's not physically more talented necessarily than anybody else the reason he became mr universe is because he loves pain and the way he frames it allows him to love it when his muscles burn he knows he's becoming a stronger person that's how he views pain somebody might have the frame of something being frustrating annoying but a confident person will say ah something's helping me identify my weak points i'm learning something right now this is helpful So if someone bothers me, I can either be like, oh, this is so unfair, leave me alone. Or I can be like, ah, you found a weakness in my armor. I didn't know I had that. That's good to know. And I react completely different depending on the frame. Some people see themselves as helpless or powerless. 
Whereas a confident person would say, ah, that feeling is telling me that I'm focused on the wrong things. I'm actually very powerful when I focus on what I can control. So if I'm feeling powerless, it's because I'm focused on the wrong thing. And they take it as like a warning sign. There's people who feel like they're victims. They say, you did this to me, or this is because my childhood was shit, or it's because I was bullied, or it's because of the economy, or whatever. They're constantly looking for this reason why they're suffering, and it's always somebody else. Whereas a confident person might say something more like, well, look, everything was caused by the Big Bang. So either we blame the Big Bang for everything, or we just get the fuck on with our lives. It's much better for me to focus on what I can do about what's happened, rather than trying to figure out why it happened. Some people have the frame that people are bad. Whereas a confident person might think, well, humans are just humans. They're, we are all slaves to our psychology. We're just living out the way our brains work. This is normal. And there's no sense of good or bad or right or wrong. It's just humanity. Something that can be dealt with, changed, worked with. Some people might have the frame, people have harmed me. I'm being harmed by others. Whereas a confident person would look at the same thing and say, well, we all engage in harmful behavior. So that means these people are just like me. We're connected. I remember doing stuff like that myself. The person who just cut me off in traffic, I've cut people off in traffic when I got into the wrong lane. So me and him have got something in common. He didn't harm me. He is me. Now as you listen to all these examples, and there's more to come, you'll start to get a sense of what's helpful and what's unhelpful. And I've actually broken this down into kind of five factors. Let's start with unhelpful frames, what these five factors look like. First one, pessimism. Generally, when you're looking at what went wrong and what's bad about a situation, it tends to be unhelpful. And there's actually some pretty good research to back this up, and we'll talk about optimism soon. That optimism doesn't set you up for a fail, it actually sets you up to be more successful, even if you fail a lot even if you're overly optimistic. Whereas pessimism creates a scarcity mindset, limits your options. You're always like, this is bad, this is wrong, I've been harmed. If we run with one example through all of these factors, let's imagine you just broke up with your wife. Pessimism would focus on the breakup. It'd focus on the pain and the grief and the trauma of the relationship ending. Factor number two is victim or victimizing blame. This is where you go, why did this happen? And the frame is all about trying to look for that cause. Where am I powerless? How is this unfair to me? And using the breakup example, you might be focused on, well, she lied to me. She took half my shit. I've been left worse than when I started. And it's because of her. That would be the victim frame on this situation. Third factor, short-sightedness. It's usually unhelpful to be really like focused on the current situation as if that's all that's happening. And that's all that's ever happened. So you can't see the forest for the trees. This kind of, will this never end view of life. The idea that how you feel right now is everything. Or what's happening in the immediate or, or near future is all that's going to happen in your life. So somebody after a breakup would be like, oh no, you know, I'm in so much pain and we have to get a divorce and that we shared custody. She's going to end up with a new guy. I'm just going to suffer forever. It's kind of extrapolation. How bad I feel right now is how I'm always going to feel. Fourth factor is this win-lose dynamic. An unhelpful frame is always looking at who won and who lost and thinking there's always those two. And usually, what have I lost or what can I win? So after a breakup, the person might be thinking about revenge. 
Well, she took all my shit, so how can I get her back for that? This woman he once loved, he's now looking, how can I harm her? So that we can balance the score, so I can win and she can lose. And the fifth factor is this kind of what I'd call globalization. Why am I such a loser? Why do I always suck with women? Everything goes wrong for me. The world is bad. Everything is bad. Again, this massive extrapolation to what's happening right now, the sort of pessimistic dark side of it, represents all life all the time. People like this often use the words always and never to describe events that are temporary. So there's five factors. Pessimism, victimization, short-sightedness, win-lose dynamic, and globalization. That's what you often see in an unhelpful frame, a frame that does not build someone's confidence, does not help them achieve their goals, does not increase their quality of life. So let's look at the opposite, which is really what's more important. Helpful frames. Instead of pessimism, optimism. What is good about this situation? How have I benefited from it? So instead of like, oh my god, we broke up. It's like, wow, we had some good times. And during this relationship, I developed myself socially. I've learned how to maintain a relationship. I've learned how to communicate with someone for years on end. I learned how to become a father. There's a lot I gained from this relationship. And I also learned that I'm too much of a nice guy and a people pleaser. And I've got these things I need to work on if I want to enjoy my life. So I've, I've managed to identify my weaknesses clearly. That's helpful. That's optimism. Like, what can I take away from this that's good for me? Rather than what went wrong. Second factor. Instead of victimization and blame, responsibility. Which is asking, like, what can I control and what should I control in this situation? What's there for me? The victim focuses on why did this happen and how is this unfair? The responsible person goes, well, this is all me. This is for me to deal with. I got myself into this situation. It's my job to deal with the fallout. Nothing about this was not my choice. I mean, nobody gets into a relationship by force. And I really mean that. Even in an arranged marriage, you still have to submit to it. You could fight against it to the death. So if you're in one, then you chose to be in one. And this is how a responsible person looks at their life. The only thing a responsible person does not take credit for is being born. But everything after that is on them. So a responsible person would look at a divorce or a breakup and go, well... Now I get to enjoy being single, and I can work through my grief, and I need to focus on the issues that came up for me during the relationship and work on my self-development. Lots of stuff to do. Too busy to gripe and complain. Got lots of work on myself to do before I even think about what she needs to do. I'm going to be a busy boy. A third factor for helpful frames, longevity. Where unconfident people are quite short-sighted, confident people tend to see the bigger picture. How much does this matter in the grand scheme of all things? How long can this last versus how long can I endure it? Yes, it hurts to break up, but I'll get through it because I got through everything else in my life. I've been through decades of troubles and I'm still here. I'll get through this one too. And also this idea like, yeah, this relationship's over, but it's just another person to come and go in my life. There's been plenty of those. This is just another one. So who's next? What's coming up? The show's not over. In fact, this is only a very small part of the show. This is one chapter out of a massive book. Most confident people have that kind of frame, especially about painful events. They know, look, everything's temporary, even pain. Win-win, instead of win-lose. That's kind of like, how do we ensure that everybody can benefit from this? Or how did everybody benefit from this? 
This idea that every situation comes with benefits and wins if you look for them. A great book to read on this is Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor E. Frankl. He was a Jewish prisoner of war during Nazi Germany. And he was in Auschwitz, and like the worst concentration camp. I think he was in Auschwitz. He was in whatever the worst one was. Suffering endlessly, and he turned that into a career. As far as he's concerned, he's glad it happened. He learned about meaning of life through that experience. If he can take away goodness from being a fucking prisoner of war during the Nazi regime, then anyone can turn anything into a win. It's all about frame. And he actually talks about, in that book, the people who saw life as being meaningful survived the camps, and the people who had a victim-type frame or a helpless frame, they were the first ones to die. And that's what actually provoked him to write this book. So the guy who's just broken up with his wife, you might think, well, hopefully she'll be more mature in her next one, and I've learned X, Y, and Z to apply helpfully in my next relationship. I've come out of this knowing more about myself, having endured pain so that I'm stronger, being better able to understand myself and others. I definitely won from this. There's so many things a person can experience that every time you get one, like, that's a bonus. People think, oh, it's so bad to have a divorce. It's like, well, divorce is like a big deal. Shouldn't we all experience it? Shouldn't we all experience some form of suffering just to know what it's like, just to have the full human experience before we die? Everybody should go through some things, not necessarily divorce, but... Everybody should know what it's like to have a big breakup, and everybody should know what it's like to be fired from a job, and know what it's like to be homeless for a little while, and know what it's like to run out of money, and know what it's like to go hungry. It's important to have the whole range of human experience, especially the so-called bad stuff. That way you don't have to be scared of it. You're like, yeah, I've survived that, and I've survived that, I've survived that. I'm a tough person. And the last one is specificity. So an unhelpful frame is usually globalization. Why am I such a loser? Where specificity is more like, okay, this tiny event happened in a very specific way, and the rest of the time, it's just normal life. So she broke up with me, that was just words coming out of her mouth, and now we're no longer in a relationship. But I still have my health, and my hobbies, and my job, and my friends, so this is actually just a chunk of my life, it's not the whole thing. We were happily married for 20 years, but the last three weren't good, and the last two months in particular were awful. But overall, that's a pretty decent percentage. Most of it was good. I'll take that. It's kind of like, let's have a look at this picture a bit more accurately, rather than like, woe is me, everything is terrible, all the time. So I want you to just focus on that. When you're looking at a situation, are you being optimistic? Are you being responsible about what you can and can't control? Are you looking at the bigger picture? Are you trying to figure out how you can win from this and how everyone can win from this? And are you being specific about the particular thing? Are you seeing it in relation to everything else, rather than seeing it as everything? Now, how to know when you need to reframe? What your emotions actually tell you. If you're feeling disappointment, that means you're being pessimistic rather than optimistic. If you feel frustration, it means you're being a victim rather than taking responsibility. You're not focused on what you can control. Frustration tells you you're focused on something you can't control. If you're feeling apathetic, lacking in motivation, it's probably because you're lacking longevity. You're so short-sighted, like crushed by what's happening right now, that you don't realize that it will pass. You need to look at the bigger picture. If you're feeling rage or revenge, kind of fantasies coming in your head, you're in that win-lose scenario. You're trying to balance the score. 
rather than going, well, how have I already benefited from this? How is this good for me? And if you're feeling depressed or down, it's probably because you're doing that globalization. I'm such a loser. Everything is bad all the time. Instead of being specific. Okay, this small event happened. It was painful for this amount of time. And the rest of the time, everything's normal and I'm fine. I want to finish off by giving you some common reframes. Just some quick little adjustments you can make. You're not a loser. You're just still learning. You're not better or worse than other people. We each have strengths and weaknesses that balance out. The world isn't unfair. It's random and everything can be to your benefit if you choose so. You don't need others to like you. You need to learn how to like yourself. You're not scarce in resources. You're abundant in freedom. I want to explain that last one a little bit. You might be out of money. But the thing is having a lot of money causes an attachment to money. And you don't have that attachment. Some people will be like, oh my god, I don't have a girlfriend, I'm so lonely. Well, if you had a girlfriend, your options would be limited about what you can do. Your freedom of choice gets reduced when you have to consider somebody else. So you're actually abundant in freedom if you're single, so to speak. So when I say you're not scarce in resources, I mean you might not have much of the thing you're looking at, but because you don't have much of that, you're not attached to it, you've got a lot of something else. Freedom, time, options in other areas. Another reframe. You're not single, you're autonomous. You're not intelligent, you're academically strong. Again, I want to explain this last one. A lot of people, their frame of themselves might sound positive, but actually creates a kind of arrogance that gets in the way in the future. There's a lack of humility in their frame, like I'm a smart person. It causes them to have a blind spot when they're actually not what they think they are. So someone who thinks they're intelligent might not be aware of their naivety. They might not be aware of what they need to learn. It's not a helpful frame. But you might have done well at school, and that's why you think you're intelligent. So just say, I did well at school, rather than, I am intelligent overall. Be more specific. And the last one, you're not not good enough. You're careful about accurately measuring your development areas. I'll give you an example just to finish this off on this last one. My first ever piece of media, I got interviewed by what I didn't realize at the time was a strongly feminist journalist about Brojo, which was at the time marketed as a men's group. And I was probably as naive as anybody is when their first time with the media. I thought this would be a, a balanced and fair piece of journalism. And it turned out to basically be a hatchet job where she made it out like I was some sort of misogynistic fucking guru cult leader. Or at least wannabe. It was a pretty brutal one. And she she attacked me on all fronts from the way I looked through to the negative effects she thought I was having on these guys. And I started doubting myself when I read her article. I thought, shit, I thought I was trying to help people. But am I just some wannabe Tony Robbins dickhead who's taking people off a cliff without realizing it? And I brought this up with Mike, the co-creator of Brojo. I said, bro, like, is there any truth to this article, do you think? Do I need to, like, rein it in a bit? Am I being a bit too egotistical or something? And what he said is, actually, it's good that you're thinking that way. Because it keeps you careful and makes sure that you're not going to be too arrogant. That you'll always double-check everything. And he was right. I've always been a little bit worried that I'm too egotistical and got some sort of guru complex. Because I make these podcasts and stuff like that. 
And so I'm always listening carefully to negative feedback, not in a I care what other people think of me kind of way, just in a I've got to be careful I don't fall into the rut of egotism. So it's not that I'm not good enough, I'm just careful. So if somebody hurts your feelings with some negative feedback and you dive into the, oh, I'm not good enough, just go, no, no, I'm open to feedback, that's all. I double check when somebody has a problem with me just in case they're right. Thank you so much for listening. If you want help with reframing and you'd like to see the world through the lens of being a confident person, get in touch, dan at brojo.co.nz, and I'll help you do that. And otherwise, go out and practice on your own, and have yourselves an awesome week. Cheers. <laughs>